I don't think you have to be a mastermind to see that in culture today we have a problem. We are starved for intimacy. Statistics about insecurity and uh, loneliness have only increased over the years around divorce and New Zealand suicide and depression. Our, our well-being is, is kind of getting worse and worse over the years. Um, but we also have technology that has created these amazing opportunities to connect with one another, but in other ways has really confused our sense of um, sociality and, and connectedness. But as well as the world feeling that way in a general cultural sense, I, I don't know if the church is really that much different. You know, I see in the news some pretty horrific things in this last couple of months about uh, actions that leaders have made or the way that uh, some Christians are talking about other Christians or this or that or people that they don't understand. And there's confusion, fear and judgment. And um, when I look at those things... I see people who haven't had an experience of acceptance or peace or love from God themselves. So I think even in the church, there's this struggle for intimacy. How do we be intimate with each other? I think there's a lot of cynicism. Um, I experience in conversations with people a lot, cynicism around being hurt by the church, where people have made themselves vulnerable and opened up only to find that they haven't been responded to and like. And so I think this mix of people being starved for intimacy in our culture and then the church kind of also looking for intimacy to herself, that the expectations from people on our spiritual communities to satisfy that intimacy are really high. And so intimacy is important. And we've talked about beauty and mystery and revelation, and these things for me are three primary sort of out outputs or natural flows of a poetic life with God because poetry is all about intimacy as we've kind of talked about earlier it's like this metaphor of wine and enjoyment it's the good parts of celebration and closeness and love and divinity so it's impossible to think about being the poetry of God without thinking about being intimate um, but the word intimate is a scary uh, word for so many people, and I'm sure there's a few dudes listening in right now who are probably about ready to tune out. So um, let me just define intimacy as a close familiar familiarity or friendship. So it's not necessarily a full emotional thing, although that's part of it, but it's it's really like being close to someone, being intimate with them. And I had this thought, you know, the Hebrews have this thing called the law of first mentions. And the idea is that at any time you first encounter something in the story of God, that becomes the primary way of understanding all of its references in the future and all the times that it's brought up. So I think if we're going to look at closeness with God, we have to look at the first time we meet Him and the first parameters of that relationship and what that means. Um, because I think it, I think it does for some people take some convincing that this is important that not just knowledge about God matters, but actually intimacy, being with him, being close to him, having a, a unique affection to him matters. So let's go back to the first time kind of we mentioned with God and have a look at it. Genesis 2 7. It's a really well known little piece of writing. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. 
And the creation story is a really beautiful, poetic, and an amazing account of how God and man came together. And I'm imagining this space, if you'll come with me for a minute. God has formed the cosmos and all of these things. He has created beauty and diversity and life and ecology and all of these um, amazing, intricate systems that we enjoy today. And then he kind of takes his hands and maybe rubs a bit of spit in them and he fashions some some dirt and clay together into this form, this form of a man. And this man is lying there empty, just a physical being without any soul, without any life, like a sculpture. And God walks up beside him and lays down on him, his feet against the man's feet, his chest against the man's chest, his face against the man's face. He presses his forehead against him, his nose against his nose, his mouth against his mouth, and he takes a deep breath and he breathes life into this beautiful sculpture that he's made. And then from the other side, this vessel, this created sculpture goes from being inanimate and empty and nothing to suddenly having life and waking up. And what is the very first thing that we experienced as humanity? We experience the face of God pressed right up against ours, breathing his very breath right into our very lungs. Possibly one of the most intimate displays human beings can have together. It was the kiss of God. It was his, you know, breath is one of those things that it comes from within God. The image is this, his spirit from within him, his ruach, coming from within him out of his His face, out of intimacy. You know, face is an image for intimacy and into us. Of course, God doesn't have a face. He has no lungs and he didn't lie on us. But this is still the picture that God chose to give to us. He gave us a hongi. A hongi is uh, it's a, a Maori greeting. It's part of our culture here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, if you're not from our country. And a hongi is where you press your forehead against another's and uh, your nose against theirs and uh, you hold there for a, a minute. I'm probably not doing very much poetic justice to how beautiful this is. And the idea in a hongi is that the ha, or the breath of life, is exchanged and intermingled with the person that you're honging. And traditionally what would happen is if you're invited onto a marae, um, Māori would greet you, you might have a pauwhiri, and then you would be honged. And when you are honged, you go from being a manuhiri, which is a visitor, to being tangata whenua, a person of that land. In a Māori culture, what's beautiful about it is that it's a transition. You become whānau. You, just, you are one with them. There's no difference any longer. You become one with the people and you become one with the land. And so it's quite traditional here and common for people to hongi one another. So when I read Genesis 2, I see a hongi. I see God taking us as an inanim- inanimate object, just dirt, manuhiri, and make a visitor, and making us tangata whenua, people of his land, people of his heart, no longer a visitor, no longer an outsider, but an insider, part of his family, part of the land. 
and he does it with a hongi, he does it with a kiss. So if we're going to take the law of first mentions and if we want to know, okay, was God's intention ever really for us just to be close or is this some kind of moral law that we live by or experience? And we go to Genesis, what do we find? Our very first waking moment was possibly the most intimate way of knowing God face to face. But then I wonder if maybe you're like me. I remember um, my Hongi experience was as a, a 21-year-old man. I was, I had been really hurt, and I was sort of around the church as a teenager. I'd connected with God. Um, I had lots of spiritual experiences, but in my late teens, I really walked away from Him. I felt like He let me down. I wasn't happy with uh, what He'd given me in my life. And I, I turned to drinking and I turned to town. And at that stage in my life, I was just going into town two or three nights a week, sometimes four nights a week, and just drinking and drinking and staying out and just making a mess of myself and people around me. And one night in the midst of this, God met me at five o'clock in the morning and he spoke to me and he said, Strawn, I love you. I want you to come home. And when he did that, I realized something that I hadn't realized as a teenager trying to be a good boy um, in order to earn God's love was that God wasn't put off by my mess. He wasn't like grossed out by my the mess that I had made in my life. I was the most deplorable. I mean, I was treating people so badly. I left a string of poor relationships behind me and I was arrogant and I was just hurting others because I was hurt. Yet in that moment, God didn't come to me talking about my junk. He came to me with this message. Strawn, I love you, and I want you to come home. Come home to me. And he hongied me. And I realized in that moment that God was more interested in relationship with me, in, in beauty, in mystery, in revelation, in living this life of, of speaking and poetry with him than he was about my junk. But I think over time, even if we have those experiences, we kind of then can become really conscious of our inability to to be well or to get things right. And then we look at the cross and we see this judgment and this, we become afraid and we start to live our life not in hongi with God, but almost in servitude to Him. And I wonder if so many of us end up starting out that way in Genesis and ending up even on the other side of the cross of our faith, really like thinking that we have to earn God again. We have to earn His favor and His relationship. So I thought it would be good to look at the cross and, and redefine that and have a look and see if we can find the hongi there too, this intimacy. I find in Colossians 1.20 this beautiful verse. For in him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether in heaven or on earth, making peace by his blood. And it's quite sort of, high and lofty language, but it is saying that the intention of God was to reconcile us, all things, to himself, was to restore things to himself. And the way that he did that was by making peace with us on the cross. So even at the cross, God's primary objective wasn't you know, to make us more aware of our junk and to highlight all our crap. It was actually to restore us. And I personally feel, because I've seen it in myself and I see, I can see it 
all around that if you don't believe that the primary purpose of Jesus on the cross was to restore Hongi with you, was to restore face-to-face intimacy, first and foremost, then you will only see the cross as an exclamation mark to your junk, to your sin. And if you only see the cross as the exclamation mark to all the things about you, all your sickness and inability, then your whole relationship with God will be centered around that. And it will be as if that God came and died for you to restore you, only to find that you're unable to be free in it because you feel so guilty and ashamed all the time. And that's not the purpose of the cross. The primary purpose of Jesus coming and dying and resurrecting in this whole story was so that you could be face to face with him again without fear, without feeling judged or condemned. In this, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, the writer puts it this way. The old life is gone and a new life has come. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and them, us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through Jesus, making the world a fresh start by offering us forgiveness. In other words, God came to settle relationship. And if he came to settle relationship, then he is far more interested in having a conversation with you at the dinner table than than he is about you living a life under the weight of the guilt and shame of your junk. And that's what clicked for me in those early hours of the morning as a young 20-year-old man. I realized God could have come to me and talked to me about all the things that I knew that had to be changed. But he came to me with a hongi instead. And just in case you still don't believe me that Jesus came first to restore and that the way he did that was through dealing with sin, there's this beautiful moment in John 20, verse 22, where it says, Then he took a deep breath and breathed into them. Receive the Holy Spirit. This is before Pentecost. Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. And again, he takes a deep breath, and he hongies his people. And when I read that, I can see Jesus hearkening back to Genesis, saying, this has been restored. In my imagination, Jesus is there. He takes each one, and he, and he invites them to move from Manuhiri back to Tangata Whenua of a new kingdom, of a new way, of a new restoration, a face-to-face closeness with God. And then days later, he sends the Holy Spirit again. And how does the Holy Spirit come? As breath, as a wind. There are ramifications of this, not just for us with God. And here's my, here's my thesis with this, is that if you can't understand that God cares more about relationship with you than your junk, it will be impossible for you to care more about relationship with others than their junk. So when I see people in the media or the news or different communities pointing the finger and ostracizing and blaming and judging people, I see people who need to experience more of that hongi of God. Because when God truly comes to you in the midst of your junk and you realize that 
It doesn't separate you from him. The last thing you want to do is make someone else believe that it separates them from his love too. And that's our message. Our message is God wants to hongi the world. And that beautiful scripture that I read earlier in um, 2 Corinthians 5 finishes by saying, God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We're his representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. Because God came to restore us, he's now saying, guys, go out and hongi others. Invite them to move from manuhiri, from visitor to tangata whenua, people of the land. Go out and invite them into your space. Invite them into the table. That is a totally different message. Then go out and tell them how wrong they are and go out and judge. This invitation of the hongi is not just between God and us. It's not even just between us and people who sit beside us in our communities on Sunday morning. This hongi of God is about us taking the breath, his very own life within us, and breathing it out in beauty and mystery and revelation and color and life into every relationship that we have. We are meant to take this hongi and demonstrate it to the world in such a way that they see us and they go, I want to be standing before God in His face and enjoying that closeness like they are because they're glowing with love and beauty. And isn't that what life is about? We are meant to show this world what being tangata whenua, what being a people of the kingdom of heaven really look like. So, this week, my invitation to you is to take a moment, close your eyes, and imagine God pressing his forehead against your forehead, his nose against your nose, and breathing into you, breathing new life into you and saying, this is how I want to be with you. This is what the cross was about. This is why I came. And allow God to be face to face with you. God bless you.